Well, I think I've told you all how much I love Christmas. So I'm really excited um, about doing Christmas with you guys. Uh, this time last year, I was up in Cambridge, Mass., uh, with Valerie, and we were doing Christmas with Christ the King up there, and that was a great time of being with those folks uh, and celebrating Christmas. But the thing I love about Christmas, it's to awaken our imagination again, or reawaken us to be like children, um, to have our imagination just kind of begin to kick in again. So I want you to dream with me a little bit now, uh, bring out your big kid, and most of you are still on your inside. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, just being my nutty self at Christmas, and there was a woman there who would always just fuss at me. She was older than me at the time, and she'd say, now, Clyde, Christmas is for the children. <laughs> and I wanted to say, you're still a kid on the inside. She'd say, no, I'm not. You know, so we would fuss at each other. But Christmas is for everybody here. But I want you to dream with me this, okay, so if we were just to have a little handout, fill in this little Q&A or journal piece, what would the best Christmas ever look like for you? If you could see fulfilled a dream, a vision of, what would it look like for you to have your best Christmas ever? What would it look like? What would you want to see God do? What would you ask God to do at Christmas that only he can do that would let you know that he is passionate about blessing you with the desires of your heart? What would it look like? Well, in this passage, we meet Mary uh, for the first time here in Luke. She's also in Matthew. The same story is going on here. But this encounter with Mary and the fact that she gets to do the most amazing thing in history in terms of carrying uh, the baby Jesus and raising him, the things that are going on here are just wow. So here, let me describe to you how you get to the place where you can have the dream and see the fulfillment of what God has for you this Christmas. Two things are going to happen. One is you're going to get vulnerable this Christmas. How do you know you're going to experience what God has for you this Christmas? You're going to be vulnerable. Second thing is that you're going to desire intimacy with God in ways you haven't had for a while or maybe for the first time. But there's going to be vulnerability and intimacy. So let's watch how it happens with Mary. But the first thing that we want to see is how this passage gets us into the joy of Christmas. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, so the second time Gabriel has already showed up and talked to Zechariah in the temple. Gabriel shows up. It's the sixth month. And uh, he goes to Nazareth. Now, it's good historically to know that Nazareth was a country town. It was a military town. It was a small town out in the sticks. Now, most of you know Roger Edwards and Gene. They've been here forever at North Cross. I think they were almost from the very beginning. And uh, Roger is a good friend. I met him when he was a student at UNC Charlotte. I was on staff with an varsity uh, Christian fellowship, and I have lots of Roger stories. But here's one for you today. So um, when I first met Roger, uh, you know, he's super friendly. He kind of looks like he's, you know, kind of laid back, this hip, cool dude. But he's super smart, and he's super funny, one of the funniest people I've ever been around. So anyway, I went up to Roger, and uh, I knew he was going to be involved in my ministry there. 
And, uh, you know, introduced. I said, Roger, where are you from? And he goes, I'm from Siler City, North Carolina, the hub of the universe. You know, <laughs> so I go, ah, come on, Roger, you know. Now, I've driven through Siler City, and I haven't seen any intergalactic space travel or all that kind of things. I have looked for the sign that says home of Roger Edwards or birthplace of Roger Edwards. Didn't do that. But to know Roger is that's just he's just that way. He's funny and kind of gets you, you know, gets you going. So hub of the universe. So you can say, Roger, I'm so thankful I know somebody who's from the hub of the universe, Siler City, North Carolina. Um, but Nazareth was a small town. Some of you know the song by John Cougar Mellencamp, small town. He celebrates. But many of you would say that some of the most amazing people I've met have come from very small towns. They grew up in small towns. They lived in small towns. But there's something about that environment that shaped their character and made them the amazing people they are today. But in this setting, Nazareth is a hick town. It's a military town. There's no reason to believe anything good can come out of Nazareth. So when Gabriel goes to Nazareth, it should clue us in right away is that God is always bringing his utmost to the most unlovely, the most unkind, the most undeserving, the most ungodly, because Jesus loves to go and find those people who are living far away from the main action of what's going on to reveal the heart of God to them. So here comes on to this scene when he greets Mary, and I just want you to listen to it again that uh, he comes to Mary, and we know she, Joseph, house of David, and here's how he greets her, and I want you to listen to this because this will really help you find how Christmas can be so amazing to you this year. Notice what he says to Mary. He says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. You see, this is the message of the gospel. What we see here happening in her history in a very unique way with Mary is to be translated to us living in that kind of awareness that that's how God greets us. For you to know is what Mary knew, that you are favored. And as a matter of fact, it says you are highly favored. Now, I've been doing ministry for a long time and a lot of people, but you can tell people who really feel like they're special to someone or favored by someone or just the way they carry themselves. They have this internal sense of, I'm favored. I know that, and I'm thankful. In this context, it's the idea of experiencing grace. The children will remember that our first word to remember about how to answer how are you is amazing. And we are all amazing people because God has favored us by showing us his grace. And when you know his grace, you know that you are favored. But notice, you know, Gabriel, just this language right here, if you let it just sink in, he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And then he's going to say, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Uh, this idea of you've been shown grace. Now, the grace here is the grace of God calling you to make a difference, but it's also to have a relationship with him. And here's where we get, uh, it gets real, because here's where we see um, Mary being vulnerable, because notice how Mary responds here. Now, if I said to most of you, good morning, the Lord is with you, you're highly favored, 
most of you'd respond that go because you've been around these words you understand them but for mary it triggers vulnerability but um anyway i'll come back to that in just a second but notice what you got this one if you're seeking to know god you gotta love the honesty of the bible here um because she was greatly troubled at the saying it really troubled her one that the angel's talking to her but she would be complimented like that she'd be affirmed like that it says she was troubled and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be in other words it was confusing not only was it troubling it was confusing so let's translate that into where we are where we live um, we enjoy the beauty and the simplicity of the gospel, but we also confess that even though we know these words and we know the ideas, it's really hard to live them out, isn't it? It's hard to have these truths sort of get inside of us and change us from the inside out the way God promised it would be. And so you gotta love Mary's vulnerability right here because she says something like this. Uh, well, she doesn't say anything, but she's thinking it greatly trouble at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So right here, we, we see the Bible revealing to us she was vulnerable, troubled. What does this mean? Um, now, one of the things that really helps us grow as people is that when we learn to admit that we're troubled and we don't understand, um, or we're not living out what God has called us to do. You see, it's one thing to be transparent uh, with your friends and people say, yeah, this is me, I'm a hot mess, I have these problems or whatever, and life is this difficult. Most of you can be transparent, but to jump from being transparent to being vulnerable and saying, please help me, <laughs> I... I I don't know what this means experientially. I understand it, but it's not in my heart. And my heart is shut down to the truth of this, that you are highly favored and God loves you unconditionally. He's never going to love you more. He's never going to love you less. He loves you perfectly. So, you know, a friend of mine used to say to me, because I can be the grump who stole Christmas when I'm not myself, uh, he would say, Clyde, check your face, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you saying all this good stuff, but where's, where's, the, where's the joy? Where's the excitement, you know? Where's the confidence that you really believe that? Check your face. Uh, or, you know, I'll be grumpy or whatever. And my daughters, our daughters would say to me, Dad, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, because even though they know I'm a pastor, they know I do all this stuff, the way I'm carrying myself and processing what's going on sort of betrays that. So how do I get out of that? Well, here's where you start. And then, uh, again, I want to encourage you um, that you're never going to see a greater miracle. You want to talk about a miracle? This could be your best Christmas ever. If this miracle would happen for you, is you'd get to the place where you'd realize, I need a lot of help. I need a lot of help. I need to be prayed over because I know these things are true, but it's like learning a foreign language. Um, we talk at uh, North Cross, we talk in the cultures that I'm in about developing gospel fluency. Uh, so what does it mean to become fluent in the love of Christ in a way that it helps you to believe that you are highly favored, you're called to make a difference, you're called into relationship 
What does it mean to be highly favored and that the Lord is with you all the time? Uh, for all of you here who have a relationship with Jesus, there's never a moment that God's not there with you. Every moment of every day, Jesus is right there. He's present. He is omniscient. He's omnipotent. Um, he's everything, but he's, right, he's always with you. So what, how do you understand it when you live like he's not there or he doesn't care or he's not involved in you? What's, what's going on there? So vulnerability is saying, I want to I wanna change. I want to grow. I want to I understand this more because, again, the reality is we all need help. We all need help. Uh, one of the churches where I was a pastor along the way, uh, a woman in the church made T-shirts for the elders after Valerie and I had left, and all the elders had to wear these T-shirts once a week, and on the T-shirt it says, I need help, <laughs> okay, because uh, they wanted to model to the congregation the thing that's hardest for most proud people to do is to say, I need help. I need help. That is so hard. You know how hard it is? Think about yourself. How many people are you going, pray for me? Will you pray for me? I need help. I need to tell you a little bit of this story. Help me to believe the gospel. And so what we see here in this beautiful beginning of why Christmas is so meaningful is God comes with grace for the humble, for the vulnerable. And, uh, and so where are you this morning? Uh, are you in a place of vulnerability and humility where you're realizing I came to church because I need to hear the good news. I need to meet with Jesus. I need to be in community. I need that. Uh, one of the things about the Barmouth Center is they have a model for helping people, um, and it goes by the acronym NAH, or NAH, uh, and I think this is a Roger acronym, actually, because Roger works at the Barmouth Center. So it stands for, let's start with the H, hiding, ashamed, and naked, okay? So, nah, you know, I don't need any help. So it might be this morning that you're hiding um, from all that makes Christmas so powerful and real. And if you're hiding, there are people here who want to help you. You don't have to live a double life. Now, let me share with you. I have been a pastor for 40-some years now. I've been in a lot of churches. People come to church. They are uh, good people. They're attending. They're going on. But they've got a secret life going on that nobody else knows about. And they're hiding and to see the consequences of what hiding does, it might be the kind of place where you're just in a place, well, only I know about it. I know God knows about it, but he's not doing anything with me about it, so I'm going to keep doing it. The consequences of sin are death. The consequences of hiding are so toxic for everybody, ultimately. You will reap what you sow. So let me encourage you this morning. If you could say, I know I'm, high, I'm not being myself, I'm not being real, or I have this thing that I'm allowing myself to do that is so consequential to me not being the person I want to be. And when you're hiding, then here's the thing that's going on is that there's a level of shame working in your story. Now, I want to give you incredibly good news here because think about Mary's situation. I mean, it's going to be announced in the whole world that she's pregnant. <laughs> And even Joseph has to wrestle with that. So she's pregnant as a 13 or 14 year old. She's betrothed to Joseph. Talk about shame. 
and uh, the feeling, the sense of shame, and what she had to go through through that one-year engagement period. But when you're ashamed, here's what happens is you start to feel hopeless. You feel like it's too late for you. You feel like it'll take too long. So let me give you some uh, things that I've seen, heard people say to me when I've encouraged them to be vulnerable about their need for a deeper experience of God's love. Um, they, they might, if they're older like me, they might go, it's too late for me. Uh, you know, or here's another one. It'll take too long. <laughs> I'm such a slow learner, you know. It'll take too long. So it's, it's, it's too late, take too long. And you think of some of the excuses that you might use. And then I've heard this, say, heard this said many, 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 many times. Um, the people say to me, are, Clyde, are you saying that I should get counseling? And I go, yeah. <laughs> and most people who are frugal will immediately go, I don't have that kind of money. I can't afford that. And again, the sense of shame that, I one, I don't want to do it, but I can't afford to do it. Now, I want to encourage you at this point, it is amazing the people who will bring resources to bear, not only financially, but prayer and comfort for you, if you will say, I want to go in that direction. It's part of being coming into the truth of what the gospel can mean for you. And then the last one is naked or down south. We say naked, N-E-K-K-I-D, you know, the way we pronounce naked in the south, um, is uh, it's just really scary to be totally vulnerable and exposed about how messed up you are. But can we all agree together? <laughs> We're recovering sinners. And hello, my name is Clyde, and I am a broken sinner, okay? I am a broken man. Um, and now, if we were in a more sort of freed-up church, you guys would go, well, welcome! <laughs> welcome, Clyde. We're glad you're here today. We're broken, too. But it doesn't stop there. It goes, we're broken, but we're redeemed people. How do you get that vulnerable where you say, I am so messed up, you know? And so I want to be in a community of people who say, I'm messed up, too, and so if I own my stuff with you, you don't look at me and go, well, it's about time, or you sure have been hiding that one a long time. You would actually start to say thank you and rejoice with me that I could be that real with you. And I want you to feel you can be that real with me and the leaders here at the church. I can be that real. So I can be close with who Christ is for me. Secondly, he can break the power of shame, and I don't have to hide. You know, it was so, again, the, the tragedy of a lot of people's stories is they're hiding and they're missing out, they're losing, they're forfeiting, they're selling everything they have for one simple thing, and uh, it's killing them, you know? But the good news is that Jesus says he's going to come, the Messiah's going to reign over the house of Jacob, and if you're feeling pretty bad about yourself, just read the story of Jacob. He was a liar, a thief. He was corrupt as all get out. And notice how God describes himself. The Savior will come to reign over the house of Jacob's, you know, which is James, you know, a deceiver, dishonest. And one of the wounds that most of us carry is that we learn how to hide by being deceptive. <laughs> being, you know, not being honest, just being transparent but not vulnerable. 
So right here we see in this sort of picture in the Mary's story uh, ourselves, don't we? We're greeted even this morning at the table and the music we've already sung. He is worthy. We are highly favored. The Lord is with us. And again, if it's not sort of sinking with, yeah, that's who I am and that's who I want to be. And you're, it just sounds muffled or dissonant. It's not, it's, not, it's not just synchronizing in a way that's rhythmic in your soul. Then again, we need to keep going in the passage and see that Jesus, I mean, the angel speaking to Mary creates this. When he says, after he describes what she's going to do, he said, uh, says to her, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Uh, here's where you see Mary going from being vulnerable uh, to being intimate. How is this going to happen? That's an legit question, isn't it? <laughs> She's a virgin. How is she going to get pregnant with Jesus? Now, it's at this part of the story where the question about intimacy is the mystery and the miraculous way the Holy Spirit will impregnate her with Jesus because it's two mysteries for one because when she becomes pregnant with Jesus, it's the Holy One, it's the Son of God and the Son of Man together. And uh, his reign shall never end. But Mary um, is told that if you let yourself be vulnerable to me, I'm going to show you an intimacy with me that's going to lead to you giving birth to the Son of God. Um, now, when you think about intimacy, it's one thing to say, help me. It's another thing, I want you to get to know me. And I want you to see me for who I really am. So intimacy, this is a little cheesy, but stay with me, means into me see. Into me see. So uh, if you're having intimacy relationally with people, they're going to see you and you're going to see them. You're going to develop a way of seeing into people and inviting people to see into you. Because that's when that connection starts to play, take place, that the gospel really gets powerful. It begins, to be, it begins to run. And people are really attracted to those kind of friendships and honesty and relationships sense of family that only God uh, can bring about. So here's what happens, is that when the Holy Spirit gets inside of you and begins to work in you, he is going to help you get vulnerable, and he's going to help you want to be seen, want to be known. Now again, another thing that I will share with you that I've heard if I had well, I won't monetize it because I'll get in trouble. But if I was to uh, say thank you for how many times <laughs> I've heard this, I'll meet with people who are really struggling, and they'll go, Clyde, if you really knew me, you wouldn't what? Like me. You wouldn't want to know me. If you knew the depth of my struggle, my heartache, my brokenness, my rebelliousness, whatever, you wouldn't want to know me. But here's the beauty of the gospel is, that's not true. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where somebody's risked that with you and they share the worst about themselves. You don't sit there and go, stay away from me, you're a leper. They go, let me help you. 
And here is, again, this is over the top, hard to get, but if you begin to ask for help and let people love you out of your stuff, here's what people will say something like, to the, the fact that you told me this, I now love you more than I did before. Wow. <laughs> That's, <clears throat> you want to know what revival looks like? Is that when people can be as real as they need to be and discover not a, that they're loved less, but they're loved more. Now, it's not to legitimize their brokenness and their sin and their shame. It's just to say, that's the character of the way Jesus loves. He loves people. Uh, Mark has a ministry. He goes into prisons. He's worked with people there. I've done the same thing. I go in to work with people who are so broken and needy. And then they confess their stuff. And they expect me to reject them because I'm a pastor. You know, I'm one of the people has it together. or I'm way up here and they're way down here. But when I get down where they live and I say, let me share a little bit of my story. But I want you to know I am not going to walk away. I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you. I'm in this for you. And we have a group of people working with you. And we want to help you not only get to know Jesus, but to start your life over. And we're going to do this and this and this to help you start your life over. And, uh, and it's miraculous. It is flat-out miraculous to watch how Jesus changes people from the inside out because I'm confident in what he's done for me. So how, how do we take this in? How do we begin to do it? We have to wrestle with the question of mystery. Now, some of you know the author Dan Brown, uh, and he's written some things that were made into movies. He was raised Roman Catholic in the Boston area. And, and, and he talks about why he stopped going to church and became a skeptic. So this is the context of the interview. He says, I remember I was a teenage boy and I was talking to the priest about, you know, just how do you understand these things? And he really legitimately was seeking, how do you understand these things? And the priest had said to him, it's a mystery. And it was real flippant and kind of deflected and brushed him off. And his attitude, well, if it's a mystery, I'm out of here. And he said, I haven't gone by. Now, what would have happened if the priest had said, Dan, it's a mystery, <laughs> but let's, let's, let's pursue this. Let's have an adventure. Let's get into the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery that God would become a man in such a way to reveal his love for us. Let's get into the mystery. Let's lean into the mystery because what we're doing here, I mean, these are all words most of you know and have heard before, but there's tremendous mystery. And does it invite you in to say, I want to understand the mystery more? I want to understand it. I want to understand how do these things work together that if I believe this one, everything else builds on it. As a matter of fact, people who write theology says, until you get the incarnation down, it's hard for the other pieces of God's revelation to make sense to you. So when you begin to say, I'm going to lean into the mystery, here's what happens. As you and I begin to understand the mystery, then something really spectacular happens for us. It moves from leaning into the mystery to what I heard a great theologian say, which speaks to me even today. He said this, he says, when you begin to understand the mystery of the incarnation, then you learn to bow before the mystery. You learn to bow before the mystery. So I want to encourage you on your own this Christmas 
to maybe as an act of worship, to get down on your knees beside your bed or someplace and just bow before the mystery and sing, oh, come, let me adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Because there's truth here revealed in ways that we sort of get, but you don't really capture the mystery until you worship the one who would reveal himself this way, and then you're going to get more understanding of the mystery. It's kind of upside down. It seems strange. But let me encourage you this Christmas to bow before the mystery, the majestic mystery of what Christ has done to humble himself. He who was rich became poor. He went bankrupt. He left everything, lost everything, gave up everything so that you and I might be rich in the grace and mercy of God today. Wow. And so... How does, how does Mary bow before the mystery? This is so beautiful. It's a good word for all of us. Um, and so, you know, she's hearing Gabriel say this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now I want you to hear two words in there, will be. Nothing will be impossible with God. What's the greatest problem you brought in here this morning? What is the greatest challenge before you personally? Nothing will be, because God has an answer to that problem. He has an answer to that problem. Nothing will be impossible for him to help you with and to guide you with and take you through because God doesn't take you to anything that he doesn't promise to take you through whatever that problem is in a way that he gets a lot of glory and you develop vulnerability and intimacy with him and others that it'll, it'll radically transform who you are. You will not be the same person you will stand back and be amazed. Nothing will be impossible for God. So there's a promise there for you this Christmas. What's the greatest thing you're struggling with right now? What is the hardest thing you're struggling with? Where do you need the most help right now? Nothing will be impossible for God if you will respond. Now here's again, this is so good. Uh, Valerie told me I preached too long last Sunday, so I'm going to kind of hold myself back here. You know, don't worry, we'll be out of here by dinner. Okay, so uh, anyway, so notice the way Mary hears that invitation. Nothing will be impossible for God. And notice what she says. She speaks back to the angel. Now, the angel is the one who says, behold, right? Notice what Mary does in confidence. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Wow, is that strong or what? That'll help you. That's caffeine in your coffee this morning. If you will say, I want to be like that. Because the very problem that is looming so great over me, God says, nothing will be impossible for me. And you can say, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. And notice what she says. Um, let it be. Be to me according to your word. You see, that is why we're here. We're here to remind ourselves the living word, Jesus himself, has revealed himself to us that he wants you and I to make a difference this Christmas 
and different people's lives that are in our sphere of influence. He wants us this Christmas to get closer to people that we're already close to in ways that we wouldn't get close to without his help. I want this to be the best Christmas for you ever. Okay, that's what I'm going to be praying. This will be the best Christmas. So every one of you that is here this morning, I want you to come up to me and talk to me in January, February, March. And maybe you won't be able to say it right away, but Matt Sider sitting right there will come up and say, Clyde, it was the best Christmas our families ever had. Is that possible? It is. Because nothing will be impossible for our God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you this morning for just the beauty of this passage of the truth that can set us free. And we pray now, Jesus, that you will, again, just prepare our hearts to receive this great mystery of the table, bread and the cup, that reminds us that what started in the womb has now worked its way into a glorious meal for us to feed on today, Jesus. Help us, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship.